trying to work out from week to week whether the title race is on or off. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Girls, I'm Sam Kelly. Welcome to episode 289 of Hand of Pod. This week, I'm joined in his own living room by English Dell. Hello, and welcome to my living room. And yes. by Andres Bruckner. Hello, and welcome to English Dell's living room. Indeed. Um, let's go over the scores from the last weekend. Just gone. We don't have a lot of battery, and we're in a little bit of a rush to finish prompt. This, hopefully, is going to be a short episode-ish, by our standards, which means maybe an hour and a quarter. Um... The scores from the weekend just got in the Superliga were as follows. Tigre 2, Gimnasia 0, and Argentinos 3, Union 1, both on Friday evening. On Saturday, Rosario Central beat Belgrano 2-1 in Rosario. Tempele and Lanús drew 2-2. Colón drew 0-0 with Vélez Sarsfield in Santa Fe, only they didn't because that match was called off 22 minutes in for reasons that we will get to in a few minutes. Banfield um, beat Olimpo 3-0 at home. And on Saturday evening, Boca Juniors lost in the Bombonera 2-1 against Defensa y Justicia, which you will remember opened up the opportunity from the uh, midweek game last week for San Lorenzo to go within five points. Did they take it, Sam? They did not. In the 11 o'clock kickoff on um, Sunday... San Lorenzo, who had conceded, I think, 16 goals all season prior to kickoff, let in four goals before midday um, at home to Godoy Cruz, and then a fifth after half time to lose 5 0 in the Nuevo Gasometro. San Martin de San Juan lost 1 0 at home to Huracan. Atletico Tucumán and Newells drew 1 1 in Tucumán. Tacheres lost 2 0 at home to Independiente. Um, and in the Sunday evening match, Racing River. Um, Quite a good game. River won 2-0 with two fairly late goals in the second half. Um, on Monday evening's matches, Arsenal de Sarandí, who of course have been relegated already, drew 1-1 with Patronato, who are not quite safe yet, I think. I can't quite remember what the requirements were there, but I think they need one more point. And Chacarita Juniors could still survive. They beat Estudiantes 2-0 in I'm going to guess not La Plata, given that Estudiantes played at home to Santos in Quilmes uh, yes, during the week. Quilmes. So I'm going to guess that they played this game in Quilmes as well. They did. Yeah. Um, which means that Chacarita can, can still survive, even though they're still below Arsenal at the moment in the relegation table, because welcome to Argentina. May um, I add one relevant result from the Nacional League? I suppose Since we're getting into those times where we're almost ready to find out the identity of... The one promoted team that will be this well, the one automatically promoted team. Mm-hmm. The eight following from second to ninth will go into a reducida. Eight. Eight, eight team yep. playoff. Quarters, semis and final. Uh Samar San Martin de Tucumán, who won against a team that I've now forgotten and are now in first in the National League, which brings up the tantalizing prospect, at least for those of us who have uh, Tucumán-based in-laws of having the Tucumán derby coming back uh, for the second half of 2018, which would really be quite a prospect. It would, unless they get put in separate groups. That'd be a shame. Are they doing the the short tournament now? Well, we don't know yet, but they might do. The, the short tournament will be happening, the, the transitional championship, I think. Is well, I'm almost certain if they do that the short tournament, they'd have a Clásico league. Yeah. Almost certainly, right? They'd have we like Boca and River in separate and do the, the whole Clásico thing. Um, so notable results from the Superliga over the weekend we should first of all talk about that Colón Meles match what happened there was that Colón's Barra Brava visited the squad during the week last week um, demanding money for the plane tickets and tickets and whatnot for, um, to travel to the World Cup as is traditional at this time first it was for the Sudamericana that was the oh, was first it? thing that got them angry because oh, they okay. didn't give them money to go to the Sudamericana match hmm. which I can't remember now at the top of my head and they're also after money for the World Cup. 
Um, so it's like a double, the, double trouble, basically. The squad refused to pay this. The, the directors club said. directors stood by the squad. Um, and as a result, the batterers said, right, we're going to fuck things up at the weekend then, essentially. And they did. They started throwing firecrackers um, into the, onto the pitch during the match. Got stuck uh, three times, right? Before it finally got called off. Yeah, there was, was one free right before kickoff, I think. And then there was one in about 11 minutes in, um, which uh, stunned Cesar Rigamonte. It went off right next to him, the Venice Southfield goalkeeper. But he said he wanted to play on um, when Venice could have walked off the pitch and had the points, apparently, according to what the commentators were saying. Um, I'm not sure they'd have been um, actually guaranteed um, that, but we'll see. Maybe the Superliga has got new rules in force. Um, they should and 20 minutes sorry 10 minutes later about 21-22 minutes in um, the referee announced that the match was off and that we're not sure what's going to happen yet yeah I don't know when would the disciplinary the, committee convene this week it would be quite soon you think but um, we, we'll have to see because the old style AFA would have said that the remaining 68 minutes have to be played behind closed doors behind closed doors at a future date but um, given that they're trying to be better on things like safety and whatnot it wouldn't entirely surprise me if Venice get awarded the points but of course in a way that's precisely what Colón's better on want um, wouldn't be right to, for I, I don't know whether it's in, in the rules but uh, in the discipline committee but I think that uh, even if it's not uh, a great uh, uh, decision for, for football in general because there is this maximum that uh, the matches must be won in the in the pitch unless there is something that the paper spray or bombs like the other day in which the Colombaras, uh, like they said, fucked things up. And uh, if if Vélez will be awarded with the points, that would mean that Barras shouldn't be so easy to fuck things up because they are, of course, they don't care about the club. Mm. But with things like that. If you give the points to Venice, even when they don't deserve the points, but Colón deserve, deserve the points even less because of their barras, well, uh, I don't know. That's in, uh, perhaps an interesting measure to, to think of. It's a tough one. It's something yes. that doesn't happen really in other countries because obviously, even if there are ultras or hooligans or whatever, like generally, they, you know, they're people that like the team and uh, have the team's best interests at heart but in this case uh, if they did you know just cancel the match and give the points to Vedis it sets a precedent which implies that any barra could come along and say look uh, give us all the money yeah. or we're going to make shit we're going to throw firecrackers at goalkeepers and you're going to lose points so this is something you know very Argentine of course and very delicate, uh, which yeah, is pretty hard to to solve. Like the one, the easy way to do it would have been to not let these guys get so much influence in the club in the first place. But yeah, that's a time machine. Yeah. Go back about hundred years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could say that there is no barras that they do, that don't do this because all of, all of the barras of all of the clubs that go to the training sessions and they enter go to the, the training sessions like the, the way they, they want, like they are home and, and say the, the, the players like happened against Bo uh, with Boca against in the previous uh, Yeah, just before the game with Tachoris, Tachoris, yeah. saying you you may you must win the, the Copa Libertadores and the tournament. Uh, uh, okay, well now that you came here we are going to do that. <laughs> but uh, it's it happens in any club that they also ask money and we have also the example of Holland that uh, well, that that's why the Bote Alvarez, the most famous independent bar, is in, the, in, in jail mm -hmm. because he also asked for money uh, to Holland. And, and well, uh, it, it, I, I think that he doesn't care. I don't care, or uh, it doesn't matter whether uh, it happens in any club and you should uh, quit points to any club. Well, if you start somewhere on, on Sunday, uh, well, perhaps things could change. If not. It will happen every time, all the time. It will. Um, one sanction that has been decided on already, the Santa Fe Provincial Police um, have announced that Colón are going to play their next two home games uh, without the use of the stand that the firecrackers were thrown from. And not even behind closed doors, just... No, they're going to close that one stand that the batter of our argument. 
so yeah, welcome to Argentina. Flood, um, Matches that actually took place. I think we have to begin, although obviously we're going to get on to Racing River um, later. We we must begin with with Boca Defensiva Justicia and with moreover the, the sort of narrative of the weekend, which was that after Boca threw away points, both San Lorenzo and Tacheres lost as well the very next day. Mm-hmm. So we went overnight from thinking, oh, maybe there is a title race after all, to then it being conclusively shut down once again. Um, Boca remain eight points clear, I think. Hang on, let me just check, because somebody's Godoy Cruz leapfrogged San Lorenzo by beating them. So Boca are now seven points clear, um, with just five games left to go. Um, So, Boca Defensa Justicia, what did we make of it? Just... uh a pretty poor performance from Boca around, but an excellent display from Defensive Cortesia, and not for the first time this season. I think they've turned quite a few heads. I remember even listening to to the commentators on on Saturday, was it? Yes, they, it was. Like, they seemed surprised, you know, like, what? Who are these defence and justice people who have come out of nowhere? And it's like, well, they're very high up. They're pretty high up on the table. They've played some decent games. Like, they haven't just appeared from nowhere I understand that with 28 teams in the league it's hard to keep track of all of them but but no a very good team like I've, I hadn't you know I haven't held my hands up I haven't watched much room this season largely because they haven't played with Racing yet that's the game we'll have <laughs> next week but looking at the team sheet the, the thing I find most fascinating is it's full of these players who kind of played one or two games in big clubs and then just kind of disappeared like the midfield guy Mariano Barreiro he played a couple of games in Racing Elisari Tomas Pochettino in a relation to Mauricio Mm -hmm. who came through Boca and then he went on to Argentinas right and then to Defensa Justicia Ciro Reus I think he played well no Ciro Reus has been around for Lanús and Argentina for a few different different teams I will look up Tomas Pochettino now Elisari played for San Lorenzo Elisari played for San Lorenzo like yeah all these kind of these names you know where they're kind of stuck in your head from team sheets of old Lani's not there anymore but ended up in Defensa Justicia Pochettino is apparently on loan from Boca right now Um, yeah he's still there yeah yeah and Barreiros is online from Rassi. Hmm. It makes me wonder why Pochettino was allowed to play against them. Yeah, well, they probably didn't think it would make much difference. Bolsat is now at Vélez, but he played for Boca. And well, came back to Defensa y Justicia, and now he's at Vélez. Mm-hmm. So yes, there are a lot of players that... Yeah, Fernando Márquez, who scored both of Defensa y Justicia's goals, um, including a very uh, clinically taken... Second, when Lissandro Magashian made an appalling pass, uh, I'm not, I want to say across the back line, but I'm not even sure where Magashian was trying to <laughs> send the ball, to be honest. There were about 30 or 40 yards between the two centre-backs, and um, he gave it straight to Marquez. Some compared that uh, bad pass to the one that uh, um, Betancourt made uh, against San Lorenzo in, in mm-hmm. a match. I think Matos scored that goal. Yeah. So it was pretty similar. Yeah, San Lorenzo, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a appalling uh, pass, but a very nice finish from from um, Marquez. Controlled it, didn't doubt anything at all when he saw Rossi closing him down and just slammed it into the top corner from the edge of the box. Um, but yeah, a, a really good all-round show from the fantasy of DCA, who are, as Dan says, quite high up the table. I don't I think they're that high up because they drop points every now and then. But well, you said they were high up a minute ago. So. I'm saying high, but not like <laughs> championship. Libertadores oh no, no, obviously stuff. not. No, they are, in fact, hang on, there's the table. They're, oh no, it's not, is it? Because it, because that match stats thing that I brought up didn't open in a new tab, and now I have to close it to get back. Right, let's see whether we can do this again. The Fed was DCF in the league table at the moment are yeah. in eleventh, um, which is just inside the Copa Sudamericana spots. 11, down to 11th and including 11th are the, the Sudamericana qualification spots. Level with River, which, yeah. you know, River haven't been brilliant in the league this season, but still. No, although they are arguably the form team. They are, yes. As we will mention in a minute. But um, Boca, uh, therefore, losing, and deservedly so, I think it, it was... Yeah, I mean, they had most of the ball, they couldn't do really much with it, and they were caught out for the two goals pretty badly Shirmo like. Valos-Clotos said that 
they suffer the tiredness. They well, they had played against Junior on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, no. Wednesday because they play Wednesday and Sun to Sunday three days only. Mm -hmm. uh, but they play with players that haven't haven't been uh, at, uh, for Copa Libertadores. I think it wasn't Cardona, for example. Um, well, I, I don't remember uh, one Chope, I think it was. He wasn't uh, in the starting eleven uh, on Wednesday also, uh, so there there were players that I think. Yeah, I mean, Boca have a big enough squad to rotate. I don't think you can really use that as a as an excuse. Fair enough. Devez is injured. Benedetto's injured. Gago's injured. There are play, you know clearly big name players out, but I think clear, you should clear have enough really. What what he said when when he said that no, there's no team better than us. But I think that at this point we clearly should say or would uh, can say that uh, they are the be the the best from the I mean uh, the the less bad team I know if it's well said but uh, they've been the most consistent in terms of yeah. they they perhaps uh, there is a, a, a couple of matches that they they score three or four goals and they leave no doubts and mm -hmm. because they attack all the time and don't leave the, the other team to play but then they, you have uh, matches like this. Uh, to be fair, there have been fairly few and far between for Boca. Uh, if one thing kind of marks them out as different from the rest of the league over this year and a half they've been top, it's consistency, grinding out results despite not playing particularly well. This is possibly the first match they've really come unstuck, you know, when they're really it's clear expected to win. It's, it's true that you have other teams. When he's going from San Lorenzo, I think. Yes. The player is Atletico Mineiro for Sudamericana. Yeah, 39 minutes gone. And as Andres says, who is that? Gudinho. Gudinho. Thank you. Carry on, Andres. Um, there are teams that are less, even, even less consistent. Like you, like, like you said, <laughs> the rest of the league. Yes, of course. Like you say, San Lorenzo had the opportunity to, to be a, a bit closer. They got 5 nil and got it closer at, at the Nova Sometro. Tachero the same. Even when the Shares played a bit better than San Lorenzo, as they as Campania had a tremendous match like Armani, we will hmm. we'll talk about this later. But uh, that Campania plays a bit uh, uh, the reasons why Independiente won against the Shares. But yes, when you when they have the opportunity to be a bit closer, they they fall. So yes, uh, it's easy to explain. And what happened to San Lorenzo? Was it just a case of them having been out on Saturday night and not having woken up properly? I think the only logical conclusion is they got out of bed on the wrong side. Yeah. Godoy Cruz were firing on all cylinders in the first half they were, and, and then were able to pretty much keep them at arm's length in the second. Um, the goals second 5-0 match in three 11 o'clock kickoffs. Is it? Yeah. After Racing Patronato. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Um, the goals from Matias Caruso scored an own goal to get things rolling. Tomas Cardona, Santiago Garcia, and Luciano Abacasis in the first half, and then Garcia got a second in the second half, um, about halfway through the half. Um, uh, Morro Garcia, who's been mooted as a replacement for Lautaro Martinez in Racing when he goes to Inter. Interesting. You know, he's never been capped for Uruguay either. Maybe we can really get him to turn over to Argentina. I, I heard that Pablo Guerrero also was. Pablo Guerrero's been been mentioned as well, Gustavo Bow. But we're getting off topic. Yeah. I'd love to talk about all the Racing's yeah. potential centre forward stars with the thirty million euros. No, but well, Bruno Garcia, I think he he's it wouldn't be so strange for him to be in a, in a, in a bigger team. No, he's playing very well. Like. He's a guy I don't know how familiar our, our listeners are, but he's a guy who came through at Nacional. He had a lot of potential. He played one under 20 South American Championships and was absolutely fantastic then kind of went off the rails he went to Brazil I believe he failed a drugs test as well along the way I can't remember if it was cocaine or marijuana it was it was something recreational went back to Nacional had the same sort of problems and kind of has bounced about a bit now I think he's 27 and it's in fantastic form for Godoy Cruz I think now that double took him either to the top of the top scorers charts or if not very, very close. I'll yes. check that out for you. Yes, he's, I think he's 11. He's level with, uh, with Rivas, Rivas yes. of Patronato. There we are. Hmm? And Godoy Cruz. Uruguayan both. 
that's strange. Hmm. Godai Cruz themselves are second, as I mentioned yes. already, um, but don't really have any hope of overturning Boca for no. what would be a historic title if they could do it. That'd be amazing. Not going to happen, unfortunately. No. It's it's too cut and dried now. Seven points with five games to go is enough of a cushion that I'm going to call the league. Yeah, I was well, convinced of it about two before ago. this weekend, and I'm not going to change my answer now. It's no. Boca's league. Um, Racing River, then. Sorry, Dan. Racing we have to do this at some point. That's all right, that's all right. I mean, it was disappointing to lose to River, obviously. Uh, Racing have had a pretty decent run against River in, in recent years. Uh, much more... Much cl- much better than the kind of the historial, which so many Argentines seem to cling to as if it actually meant something. Uh, would suggest the thing is, however, I have a theory. Yeah, I'll just put a crisp in my mouth. So give me a second. I have a theory that because of the fact that so many Argentines put so much store in it, yeah, it actually does turn out to mean something. It yeah. ends up weighing on the players' minds. You reckon? I'm convinced. In, in, particularly in the big rivalries, in stuff like Racing River, Independiente Racing, River Boca, when Boca plays San Lorenzo, yeah. the fact that San Lorenzo are the only team you know, who've played more than about 10 games against Boca and who have a positive record against them, I think ends up playing into the Boca's yeah. players' heads in mm, some way, I'm at, not in some matches at least. I'm not I convinced. think it's psychologically it, it, it does matter. I can imagine that I agree like the players are actually Boca fans or whatever, but... Yeah. For a normal player, just doing their job, I can't see it. Okay. I just I think, think the, the, the crowd mentality here is, is often quite strong, and, and it just seems to. I see some some matches, and you're just like they're so they're so far on top, but the fact that they've that they've got this negative run against this club, mm. and they end up playing like crap, it just seems very very <laughs> weird. And that's the only way that I can think of to to justify why that happens. There was another reason on Sunday. Let's be fair, and his name is Franco Armani. Mm. It was very, very good indeed. It was very, very, very good. In front of Jorge Sampaoli. Yes, it was, good uh, time. Watching possibly the first match Sampaoli's been at um, for Racing in which Lautaro Martinez hasn't scored. Uh, I think so, yeah. He's been to four games this year. Mm. Two of them, he scored a hat-trick. No, possibly the, the second he hasn't scored. Because I remember we went to one game where Lautaro had a very good game, but didn't get... Tricky game shoot. for him because if Lautaro Martinez... Uh, scored would have scored two goals uh, and Armani well, well uh, supposing that he wasn't he w- wasn't responsible for the goals but couldn't set them things would have been well Alter Martinez must be to the, uh, go to the World Cup and Armani well no Armani we, we, we have to watch him a bit more now it's Alter Martinez has to go to the World Cup even with not having not scored uh, a single goal against River but Armani must go to the World Cup I don't yeah. think Sam Bowley reacts in quite the same way as some of the press here who are just completely nuts whenever someone has a good or bad game and decide that's the way it's going to be for the next 50 years. I think he's a little bit more measured. But certainly seeing you know a game like that, uh, pulling off at least four saves which were top draw, can't hurt his chances. And... The game, yeah, it was a disappointment for Racing, who dominated the first half. Yeah, they did. Really should have scored in the first half. They were moving the ball very well, kind of this very open attacking, typical Chacho Cadet style. And after the second half, like, River kind of just kind of got their, their act together a bit, were a lot more solid, didn't let Racing get as close to the, to the goal, and then... Gasharro came in with two substitutions where, again, obviously, knee-jerk. He's, if he makes a bad substitution, he's the worst coach in the world. If he makes a good substitution, he's the best. Hmm. He did make two very good substitutions. He did, yes. Uh, he sent on Ezequiel Palacios for um, Quintero, who actually got a start for River in a big match. Didn't really take his chance. And, no, he didn't. It's um, very isolated though. For kind of chasing the blind he should be in the starting lineup. He, it wasn't the game for him. He was very uh, underused, very isolated. Uh, I don't know if he isolated, but Nacho Fernandez was very cold. Uh, he would have been the, his so, socio or his uh, the one who associates with him in the midfield, and well, he disappeared entirely from the match. Hmm. So Quintero, well, we 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 will say. Or we can say that, uh, yeah, well, it's okay. His first match as a, 
playing, I don't know, 60, 70 minutes, uh, more than 20, 30 minutes that Ocho usually plays. And yes, he wasn't very, uh, how would say, uh, he didn't appear too much. Mm-hmm. But this is the other thing, because I mean, if supposedly the reason that Quintero wasn't being picked before was that he he's not prepared to do the tracking back and the closing down, uh, and that he wants to be, that say, more of a Riquelme kind of player, putting him in against a, a team like Racing, who, as Dan says, play this very high-paced, yeah. high-pressing, high press, high all-action, yes. Chacho Cordet kind of style, just seemed a bit weird. It was almost as if, I mean, when I saw the lineup, I thought, is, is Gachado trying to ensure that he doesn't have a load of pressure to pick him from the start again in future games? Because this seems like, you know, again, I, I've wanted him in the starting lineup for a while. And yet that seems like the one game where, yeah, actually Gonzalo Martinez would be an indisputably better choice to put in the starting but lineup. But with that, Martinez played. Course, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah. Oh, sorry, he, he did, yes. Sorry. But, but with, so. with that way of thinking, you will say, uh, you could say, well, Pinola and Maidana are both a bit slow, mm. and Lautaro Martinez is also a, a striker that demands a lot of energy and a lot of... Uh, well, and Pinola was good, even having been booked uh, yeah. at, the, at the beginning of the match. So... Uh, any other uh, coach, perhaps, will have included Martínez Cuarta instead of Pinola, even when Martínez Cuarta hasn't been playing very well, but because of his, his young, he, he's perhaps faster than, than Pinola. But finally, he, he, was, he was great. And mm. uh, with Quintero, yes, it's perhaps uh, his first match. I think his, it was his first match as a, a, an important one, not a... Not yeah, a it, was, it was his second start, really, yeah. because he started against... Vélez? No. I think it depends on the ah. No, because that was only last week. It, it was he, he made a start last month at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, he was substituted for Ezequiel Palacios, and Rafael Santos Borre came on for Lucas Prato. I think the first time that Prato hasn't played the full ninety minutes, if I remember mm. rightly, he might have been subbed off once before after scoring. But generally, I think Gachado's tried to leave him on for the whole time in the hope that he'll get a goal. This time he didn't. And five minutes after that change, Santos Borre scored the first goal. Um, and Palacios set up Santos Borre for that goal after an uncharacteristic howler from Juan Musso. Threw it straight to him. Was it a howler I like? It was a mistake. He threw but, it straight to him. So but he was, almost on, he was almost on the halfway line. Racing still had no, a lot of defenders ball. in between the ball and the goal. It's not like, you know, I remember one from Orion where he kicked it straight to a guy who had the whole goal in front of him, he shot back and scored. Like, I don't know, I think we need to be more more measured. Like, I'm gonna call it was a mistake, but I wouldn't say a howler. I, I'm, I'm going to say it is a howler. Andres, you have the casting vote. <laughs> I think, yes, it was a mistake, but it wasn't a, a well, score the goal. Uh, it was a, a bad, a bad uh, start of the, of the play, clearly, very bad. There was plenty of work to do still. It's something that you, you, you could say, with teams like River, you can't make mistakes because even when you were better, uh, yeah. the, the mistakes you make pay them. And well, that was the case. Uh, and with the, both players that, like you said, uh, got into the match uh, just uh, a couple of minutes before. Yeah, and then River's um, second goal came after an heroic goal on stop from Maida, which yes. I was. Convinced was a goal. Yeah, yeah. Headed out from under the crossbar. Uh, was it a penalty then? Mm-hmm. Was it a penalty then? No, it wasn't a penalty. No, no, not at all. It was complete. No, um, I think you're talking about why Kale got himself sent off afterwards. He said there was a foul in the build-up to River's goal, which came straight afterwards. Uh-huh. He wasn't appealing for a penalty because there was no... And, and that goal came from Palacios. Palacios, Very yeah. neatly slotting it inside the post. Um... Explain this foul that Kovac says there was. Do you think there was one? Because no, I can't remember it. I can't even remember it. It was the typical kind of clash you get in midfield, which is sometimes called out, sometimes not. Kovac uh, was just, I think, really pissed off because his team had 17 shots on goal, not managed a single, sh- uh, mm. and not managed a single and this, strike. This comes from when he played against River also with Central in the Copa Argentina 2016, in which... Um, there were polemic plays also that weren't awarded for them for for Rosario Central, and perhaps against River this time is remembering that and also remembering about experience with Armani. He 
he said that in the press conference. Yeah, he said he never wants to see him again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing against him personally, but um, and that that again was from when Central and Nacional met. Yeah, when Armani was with Atlético Nacional um, in the Libertadores quarterfinals, I think it was in 2016 when Atlético Nacional went on to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so Armani is Argentina's number one for the World Cup, right? And apparently Armani's family are from Casilda. Yeah. Neighbours of Jorge Sampaoli's family in Casilda. And Sampaoli gave a professional debut to Armani's brother Leandro, who is now back in Casilda playing. And I believe he was in Aldo Civi possibly, Mar del Plata Club. Hmm. He played at 15 up front for for San Pauli in 1999 for a club which I've now forgotten but I was looking at because it's going to be the subject of my column for Perfil this week. Do you still it have it open in your own browser? No, you know. no. no, it was Atletico Casildense or hmm. one of these teams. Though. Of I don't think it's too important to the story. So yeah, that when Sampoli, they know each other. That when San Pauli climbed to a to watch a game? Uh, a little bit afterwards, yeah. Oh. Right, right at the start of his, of his country, yeah. But yeah, the Armani family and the Sampaoli family, as usually happens in yeah. a small town with a this, couple of football teams, know each other. This well. should make things easier, I think, but I, I think it will make them more difficult for Sampaoli to call uh, Armani up because everyone is saying, call Armani, call Armani, and if he calls Armani up, well, there will be people saying that he was very had very high pressure to for, for him to call Armani and uh, that's why he called call him up. Like happened with, for example, Batista, Chicho Batista when in the World uh, Copa America 2011, uh, he wasn't going to call Tevez. And I think that lobby was a little bit stronger later. And there was a strong lobby for, for in favor of Tevez and finally he called Tevez up, who missed the penalty against Uruguay and what well, Argentina was. Yeah. eliminated from Copa America. Yeah. Funny I thing is that apologize just very briefly. Uh, if you can hear that noise in the background, I don't know whether one of Dan's neighbours is deaf or something, but they're watching television. I'm gonna try and close the window see if that helps. Yeah, go for it. Um, and I can't turn the sensitivity of the microphone down too much this week because I don't have any earphones, so it's difficult for me to hear properly what the microphone is picking up. Um, <laughs> Dan is just uh, Dan's just closed the window. Anybody? Just crossed that link through it. I can't hear him as much now. So no. hopefully it's a bit better. Excellent. But we'll see. Um, other matches: Independiente's two 0 win over Tacheres, as we mentioned. Martin Campagna. We've just been talking about Franco Armani. Um, another goalkeeper had a very good performance indeed. Um, what else can we say about Independiente's win? I didn't watch it, so I can say anything. Gonzalo Beron and then right at the very end, Emmanuel Gigliotti added a really nice um, second goal, uh, curling it to the top corner from the edge of the box. I think that Independiente played a fairly clever match. Yeah, so they, they did rely on it too much on Campania. But yes, yes, I think that Tachet had even more more options that Racing to score and were incredibly saved by even Campania or. Uh, perhaps I don't I know whether it was post or, or so, but uh, yes, I think that uh, easily could comp- compare Independiente against Tacheres and uh, River against Racing. The, their victories are quite similar, even with the, with the same score, even mm. um, with a, a great goal by Gigliotti, who uh, was very smart because there was a teammate from him. Uh, uh, yeah. Covering the, the mark of the of the defender and he like made it like a cheat and then put it in the high high corner with it was great goal. Yeah. Um, did either of you catch Chakaritas when over Estudiantes? I did not. Andres was telling me in the build up to this podcast that it was controversial. Yes, um, there was a, a very badly uh, awarded penalty for for Chacarita. The first goal was from Matos. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were two things, well, that had controversy. I, well, controversy, no, not controversy. It was uh, bad awarded by by Pitana because first, uh, I think there was a ball for Zappa, the, the the goalkeeper of Estudiantes. It wasn't. Uh, um, I forgot the the other. The, the, Alvin. Uh, no, no, Alvin. Um, no. Who is the the main goalkeeper for Estudiantes? Is it Champagne? Champagne. The, 
No, he's in Spain. He's, is he? Oh, yeah, so he is. Yeah, we're uh, he's, he's someone no, who was who, who, no, who was the mm-hmm. goalkeeper of Argentina also. Uh, Andujar. Andujar, yes. Mm. Uh, Sorry. There we are. Well, I think he was Zappa, the, the goalkeeper. Well, and there was a ball taken for, for him, and but it, it was uh, out of the pitch for one meter, I think. It was mm. very out of the of the pitch. And Pitana didn't didn't award a, a corner or, or goal kick, a goal kick, anything. After that, there was a, a, a chest that the ball uh, hit in the chest of, of um, the Sabato and he won the penalty. It was clear, not that something that you will say, well, perhaps it was in the hand and... No, it was clearly the chest and he awarded the penalty. So it was two plays in one that uh, he clearly... He was clearly bad in, in well, uh, awarding that penalty. And after that, it was also... Uh, in the second goal for, for Chacarita also a play very very uh, discussed by estudiantes the players of estudiantes that the, the, the one who who started the play was grabbing the, the shirt of the of the estudiantes player and oh, again didn't uh, he didn't award anything mm. and after that there was the goal for Menendez I think and well, well, well a lot of like he said controversy or well a polemic match by by Peter <laughs> Apologies again, that's, that's not the television anymore, that's just children screaming and yes. we really can't do very much about that. So um, the good old days of uh, hand pod in Karashita. Indeed, yes. yes. <laughs> if you didn't hear the first few episodes, then this is what it was like. It's hard to concentrate with this one. It is. Um, so in short, basically, this is it's pretty obvious now that there is a refereeing conspiracy to keep Chacarita in the Super League. Oh, totally, yeah. So we can expect them to win their final five matches. Pitana won't be a referee this weekend. I see. So but, that well, means basically, if it's a conspiracy, all of them are in, are in favour of change. Indeed, yeah, they've all been told, or maybe it's just one of the unions. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out. Yes, um, we will draw conclusions as the season goes on. Um, other outstanding results there. I'm looking mm, and much I, um, there's nothing that's really jumping out at me, to be honest. No, is we're getting that, to that stage where. All kind of winding down, I guess. We will run down the positions and then we will go for a refill. Uh, Boca, as I said already, top of the league with 50 points from 22 matches. Everyone has played 22 matches now, except for Colón and Meles. Um But uh, we don't need to worry too much about them. Played 21 and a third. It's in the title race in the Sudamericana spots, at least, and the Libertadores spots, it goes like this. Boca, 50 points from 22 games. Godoy Cruz, 43 points from 22 games. So a seven-point gap at the top. San Lorenzo are only one point behind, 42 points. Tacheres are a further point behind them with 41. And then there's a two-point gap to Independiente, who have 39. That's the Libertadores spots. Independiente in fifth are currently in the Libertadores second qualifying round. Um, and the top four go into the group stage directly. And then the Sudamericana spots are as follows. Huracan have 37 points in sixth. Racing and Argentinos Juniors both have 36. Racing is seventh and Argentinos eighth on goal difference. Um, Union have 35 points in ninth. Uribe Plate, for the first time in what feels like about a decade, but it's actually about six months, are uh, in the continental qualifying um, positions with 32 points in 10th place, just ahead on goal difference of Defensa y Justicia with 32 points on 11th place. And Estudiantes also have 32, um, but they have scored fewer goals than Defensa y Justicia. Um, will that be the tiebreaker or will they do some sort of weird triangular? No, it's, it's goals, goal difference and then goal scored. Um, unless it's for the title. Might be for the title as well, I'm not sure, but, uh, but definitely in the mid, mid-table spots it's, um, it's goal difference and goal scored. So, Colón, if they do get to play the rest of their game against Vélez, and if they win that game, would theoretically go into 10th and not river down to 11th and therefore not defensive DC out to the Sudamericana spots but of course we're going to have to wait and see what happens yes. because they might not be allowed that the Superliga might decide to award Belis the points the relegation table we know what's going to happen already but just to run over it again Arsenal are already down in 27th Chacarita in 28th but are not down yet um, and indeed if they start winning they could quite rapidly climb the table or if they, if they continue winning I should say um, Olimpo and Tempele both what did they do at the weekend uh, I've forgotten already one drew one lost I believe let's see Olimpo uh, lost 
three 0 to Banfield, and Tempele drew two two with Lanús. Didn't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're still in the remaining spots, and they are down basically. Tempele are now fourteen points behind Belles. There are five games to go, which means that those two teams. They're both, sorry, 14 points behind Meles. Who have a game in hand. Sorry, you're quite right, yeah. Uh, but even regardless of that, those two teams could both be relegated by the time we next record. Mm. Listen to this space. I was about to say watch this space, but it's an audio production, so that doesn't really work, does no. it? Mm-hmm. We're going to refill our glasses now, and when we come back, we will answer some listeners' questions. So don't go away. questions Andres um, remembered an anecdote from Temple's match against Lanús at the weekend which he's now going to um, fill us in on yes it's perhaps a, a colourful anecdote that uh, perhaps to, to give extra uh, data or funny data that for, for the, this round that uh, in, the, in the draw against in, in between Temple and Lanús it was 2-2 there were some also controversy with uh, some wrong decisions from Tesho, the, the referee of that match. But there was uh, a, a, an extra thing that, uh, uh, in which Tesho had nothing to do with, in, in, that was that Herman Dennis, in one of those polemic plays, thought that Tesho had sent him off. And he went, walked, walked away to, the, to, the, uh, well, to go from, from the match, and then came back and said, the, the referee, why are you sending me off? And the referee said, "What are you saying?" Like, like. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes, uh, that is something really funny because uh, I think that uh, it is rarely happens something like this. Uh, the, 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 it happened that the play the player doesn't want don't want doesn't want to to leave the, the match when he's sent sent off, but to leave the match when he hasn't been sent off, I think that never happened. No. I've heard of. Of, of it happening once in I can't remember what um, what competition and the, and the referee actually having to send somebody to go and get the guy because he just marched in, into the dressing room in, sort of in a red mist uh, to go and get him and tell him you know you haven't actually been sent off and come across the pitch but I, I don't understand how he the red card came out presumably or no perhaps it was something that he he uh, was about to do it and he didn't or or, or showed their card to another player and he with the nervous, nerves or, or the uh, polemic, he thought that he was had, had, had been uh, shown the red card, uh, or perhaps he thought he should have been <laughs> uh, uh, sent off. Uh, yeah. But yes, difficult to explain, really. Indeed. Um, our first question this week is from Tom Robinson, who has tweeted us a photograph, the first documented photograph of the two of them in the That's same true. room. It's quite exciting. Of Paolo Wanchop and Ramon Wanchope Avila. Uh, this is a player who, who we've laughed at many times in the past, as, as long-term listeners will be aware. Um, Wanchope Abila's nickname supposedly comes from the fact that he looks so similar to Paolo Wanchop. And we now have documentary proof at last, because until now we've been doubting ourselves, um, that they actually don't look anything like each other. Kind of uh, do, eh? They kind of I mean, do. That's clearly Paolo Wanchop on the right, yeah? Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. agree to. Yeah, that's not going to work that well on radio since not, they're not actually looking at the phone. No, yet. indeed. So the, but, but, yeah. the joke, listeners. Uh, Paolo Wanchop standing on the left. And but there is a resemblance. Like the shape of the face it's is similar. The really. nose is similar. Avila obviously has hair, and Wanchop doesn't. The shape of the nose is about it, to be honest. I think. Yeah, but when they've both got, got short, teeth, they both got, got two teeth. eyes. But Avila yes. is clearly yeah. stronger physically mm. uh, speaking. Uh, in fact, Guillermo uh, Rascloto in the match against Talleres, when he uh, wanted Avila to, to jump into the match, he, when he called him to go, uh, when he when Guillermo was sta- uh, standing to give him the the address, the, the indications, and the, uh, to explain, explain, explain him what he wanted to do, what wanted him to do, uh, he said like this. He said he was uh, did this. Like, <laughs> <on the> big. <laughs> like, 
Call the one who is like this. Sounds like something from the Alex Ferguson book of management, to be honest. You reckon? Just kind of like the descriptions, like, nah, send the big kid yeah. on or whatever. True. Yeah, I can imagine you know, in um, something like that. Ahmed Almodaris says, Hi guys, do you think following his awesome performance against Racing that Franco Armani cannot be ignored for the World Cup squad? Before we go to answer that one properly, uh, we had a couple of others. Nate Kubeta slightly embarrassed himself, so I won't read him, his one out. Um, but he hasn't deleted it, so do feel free to check out mentions if you want a good laugh. And we've done it ourselves in the past, so don't worry. We have, yes. Um, and Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, also said, Sam Pauli was present at Racing again, hoping he was keeping eyes on Armani, who made some great saves. Um, Funnily enough, he wasn't the only national team coach who was present at that game. Oh. Jose Peckerman's no, he was actually at the game, wasn't he? assistant was at the game. Oh, Lorenzo something or other. Yeah. Uh, to, apparently out. to check up on Armani because he started... I made this comment when Armani signed for River that now that he moved back to Argentina his Colombian nationalisation would be on the back burner but apparently it's not because it's he's on the process, of getting... yeah. Obviously bureaucracy is what it is and I'm guessing the papers have been filed for God knows how long. Mm. Uh, and Armani's agent spoke yesterday or the day before and said yeah like He's going to wait until the last minute for a call from Sao Paulo, but if it doesn't come, he wants to play a World Cup and he would consider Colombia if the call doesn't come from Argentina. Yeah. Don't know how happy Colombia fans would be with that setup, being uh, his plan B to go to Russia. But well, given that he is Argentine, I don't think they're going to hold it against him too much. Well, yeah. if, if he was Colombia... In fact, he's Argentine in the first place. If so. he was Colombian and he was going, well, I'd rather play for Argentina, but... Then I can yeah. understand the well, yeah. pissed off, but as it is. When he started with the papers to, to become a, a, a Colombian citizen, I think there was no rumors even that he will go to River. No, there were previously, he was yeah, previously linked with River, but at the point he, he started with the papers, there wasn't a, a something certain that would say, yes, he will be the goalkeeper of River mm. and will be like, we playing like this also. But uh, even Ospina, David Ospina, the starting goalkeeper or the main goalkeeper for Colombia uh, didn't like Armani very much in, to go there and, and be... Possible accusations of self-interest could yes. be fired his way. He, he prefers Colombian native goalkeepers in, instead of Argentinian or Chilean or whatever that are, are uh, with a second nationalization or, or, or to be become Colombian. Is Juan Dragon still going? Did he go to the World Cup again? <laughs> At 50-odd. Let's have a look for him. He went to the last one, I know, and he was about 48 then. Farid Mondragon. I think he's retired. He now, must have done, hasn't he? Yes, in the 4th of July 2014, he announced his retirement as a professional footballer. Maybe after he'll come Lundi, out of retirement. He got eliminated from the World Cup, I remember yes. that. Oh, yeah. uh, yes, because he's 46 now, which yeah. would be just a little bit too much, wouldn't it? A little bit, yeah. Um, a question from Jamie who says also about the national team, apparently Sam Pauli is making a surprise visit to see Eric Lamela in London. Could he and should he be a late inclusion in the World Cup squad? He's very much featured from the bench for Spurs since recovering from injury, but has looked lively and eager to impress. It's true, I've seen him a couple of time, times for Spurs and I've, I've been impressed. Uh, he's a player that would be an asset for the Argentina squad, no doubt, because I believe now in Tottenham he's playing in the slightly less forward role possibly like the kind of roving midfielder role correct me if I'm wrong um, Premier League's not my speciality um, obviously it's, it would be a massive risk to bring someone who hasn't played for Argentina for God knows how long and hasn't had regular first team football for a long time but, but as we saw if he's at his best and if, as we saw in the front midfield is an area where Argentina yes. doesn't have a hell of a lot of options oh completely um I said at the beginning of the season that, that Lanzini's and Lamela's injuries were a problem for San Paoli and that he would probably want to call them up as and when they got fit again. And obviously Lamela took a little bit longer to get fit. But I would be thinking very seriously about maybe including him at least in the, in the 33. San Paoli himself has said that when he names the 33, he's immediately going to tell the 23 who are going to the World Cup who they are mm. and he's going to inform the other 10 and they're kind of on standby because he remembers the previous World Cup when he was Chile manager and he didn't like having to cut those 10 or 15 players um, sort of at the last minute um, having, having everybody having trained so intensely previously but I think that after the display particularly against Spain 
it would be sensible of him to maybe rethink that a little bit and say, yeah, I do need to look at some other players mm-hmm. in training situations before naming the final squad. And Lamela has to be one of them, in my opinion. Yeah. If only for lack of options elsewhere. Even, even playing quite similar, I don't say the same position, but similar to, to Lanzini. Because yeah. they could play, I don't know if they will, will crash, like Dybala who said that it's very difficult to play with Messi because they play very, very similar in terms of the positions and, and they could crash. Um, but apart from the national team, the last episode, you know, I think that we were like predict, predicting something because we said, we talked about the midfield and Macerano and now there were always, there are rumors that finally somebody will think about not uh, calling Macerano up. Good. Um, It'd be the right decision for everything that Machiavelli has done for Argentina. Now you see, because not because of his level right now, which mm-hmm. is very very bad, but because he's a historic and that thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, yes. I can see why he might want to be involved in the group because of the position he holds there. But if you're going to do that, then give him a phone call and say, "Hey, I want you to come to the World Cup. We're going to give you a training bit and call you a coach, mm-hmm. rather than yeah, rather than waste a squad position on him." Um, F95 Digest says, is it just my off judgment or are Argentina the only one of the better national sides that never seems to hit that sweet spot between insecure and arrogant? What about the team's psyche keeps them from just from being just confident in the last decade, o- only the rather harmful extremes? Well, for one thing, you can look at the last decade and the number of coaches I've had, which is eight, I believe, off the top of my head. Let's okay. see. Uh, Basile, Maradona, Batista, Sabela, Martino, Bausa, Sampoli. Seven. Seven coaches in ten years. Obviously, you can never be particularly confident because every year you're having someone come in with different ideas. The players, granted, have stayed uh, more or less similar, but there's been so much upheaval and, and with the amount of crap that's gone on gone on in the AFRA as well since the death of Grandona. It's just been um, impossible to get any sort of continuity going and obviously that that will affect the team. Uh, it's just impossible to put together something uh, long-lasting and, and coherent when when everything's so insecure. And you say, like, yeah, they're professionals, they're some of the best players in the world, but they're humans like everyone else. If everything's changing around you, there's just no way you can you can get that confidence. But uh, apart from that, people always end up criticizing the, the coaches. But uh, we have the president of AFA that goes to the to a meeting with cups with the with the uh, draw of Boca and goes to the birthday of Carlos Tevez. And oh, but hang on, sorry. You just wanted to get that in and this as a River fan. But, that was something that was <laughs> also, but that was at um, Ankelisi's house, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yes, uh, a house, yeah. That, that's one occasion on which I'm going to stand up to tap, for Tappy and say yeah, what it was funny but I don't think what really do you expect the president yeah. of Boca to have yes but of course oh. that's perhaps not, not a bad offer because he went to a meeting and there were Boca caps but uh, you pretend serious things in, in, with the coaches when you have constantly things that are untidy or not very good and I am saying that that was oh no how he's a bad president because there were caps with the Boca uh, draw well, uh, not, not not like that. But you acu- you, you you accumulate things yeah. that are untidy and are not very very well, and that includes the coaches. How you you choose the coaches? He, of course, the only coach that Tapia chose uh, from he the since he was the he is the president of AFA is Sampoli. Mm. Uh, quick uh, sucking uh, uh, Bausa and bringing Sampoli. But it's something constant and something that happens all the time, and I don't think it, it will change. Mm-hmm. So yes, of course, that the coaches, the team won't, won't be confident with uh, with this this uh, uh, these things that the coaches are chosen. Uh, well, seven seven in ten years means one every half year and a half mostly. No. Yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit more. Sure. To be fair, yes. yeah. Um, so that's that. Yes. Um, the next question was I think that's all of the questions actually we've asked Liam's already um, yeah that's it Those are, oh hang on one got, new notification on Twitter this is exciting who's this 
No, no, no that's just somebody liking the, the one job I have the um, photo that I retweeted. Uh, that means that the next music, unless you can think of anything else we've not mentioned yet. No, I think we're just about This music now is going to be Mystic Sam's theme music, and when we come back, Mystic Sam's predictions, along with those of Mystic Wayward from Hayward's predictions, mm-hmm. because I don't know his real name on his Twitter handle. So that's says uh, Chico Harris is his handle. It might be, mm-hmm. yes, but I'm not sure whether Chico is a real first name. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, here we go. Me against Mystic. I don't know what the score was last week. Were either of you paying attention? No. I wasn't. I'll look it up at the end. No, I'll tell you. Um, here we are. Gimnasia versus Atletico Tucumán is the first match on Friday evening. Uh, Mystic Wayward is going for an Atletico Tucumán win. I'm going to go for a draw. Um, next up is Huracan versus Argentinos Juniors. Wayward is going for Huracan. I'm going to go for Argentinos for that one. On Saturday, Godoy Cruz versus Tempele. We have two predictions of a home win for that. Olimpo against San Martín de San Juan. Uh, Wayward says San Martín. I'm going to start calling him Chico because Wayward sounds a bit silly. <laughs> uh, Chico says San Martín. I'm going to win that one. I think that's going to be a draw. For Lanús against Banfield. Um, the Classico del Sur. Chico says it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be a Banfield win. Belgrano versus Arsenal de Sarandi. We're obviously both going to go for a Belgrano victory there. And Defensive Justicia against Racing. Chico says draw. I'm going to say Racing victory. In spite of Defensive Justicia's sucker punch. On Sunday morning, Union de Santa Fe host Tigre in the big European television challenging fixture. Um, Chico says that's going to be an Union win. I think that that is going to be a draw. Tigre have improved a little bit recently, so I'm going to go for that. Patronato against Estudiantes. Chico says Estudiantes victory. I think it's going to be a Patronato victory. Uh, Chacamita against Colón de Santa Fe. Chico says Colón are going to win it. Having birthed the conspiracy myself a few minutes ago, <laughs> I'm going to stick to my guns, even though it's very silly, and say that Chacarita are going to beat Colón with another non-existent penalty. River Plate against Rosario Central, Chico says it's a draw, I'm going to go for a River Plate victory, and Independiente versus Boca Juniors, Chico says draw, I'm going to go for a Boca Juniors win in that one. Brave, Finally, brave. to close out the weekend, weekend being in inverted commas because these are on Monday evening, Eels Old Boys against Tacheres de Cordoba. Chico says it's going to be a Tacheres win. I'm going to go for a draw. In, no, I'm not. I'm going to go for a Tacheres win, actually. No, I've said that. Ambele Sarsfield versus San Lorenzo. Chico says a San Lorenzo win. I think it's going to be a draw in the sort of semi-classico there at the end of the round. Um, gents, any fixtures you're particularly looking forward to this weekend? No, as I said, uh, Defensa Justicia and Racing is brings together two teams that like to attack. So yeah. and aren't that great defending so Independiente Boca is obviously yeah. Independiente Boca is a big game should be entertaining River Central could be a good game yeah. Central Boca plays in a couple of years uh, of years of hours in one hour in fact exactly uh, one hour okay, yes. away to Palmeiras um, in the Copa Libertadores the only Copa Libertadores match to take place and, this week because and Independiente doesn't play this week right? no well that's perhaps Something to take into account, but... Yeah, could be. We shall see. Anyway, join us again next week where you'll get to find out how those matches went. Oh, I need to look up the um, the, the outcome from last week, don't I? So if you give me a second, I can count all of these up. The score last week was 7-4 between me and Jimmy, so that's, I think, four or five in a row that I've got now because I'm a really, really good predictor. Um, and that's it for this week. Join us next week. Carry on listening if you want the full-time score from San Lorenzo against Atletico Mineiro in the Copa Sudamericana, which is currently 1-0 to San Lorenzo with about 15 minutes to go. You're not going to do the box score? And I was just about to say, and also the Palmeiras yeah. versus Boca full-time score, which, as we just mentioned, hasn't actually kicked off yet. Um, so, for now, thank you for listening and good night from English Down. 
Good night and thanks for listening. From Andres. Thank you, good night. And from me, thank you, good night. Two full-time scores. San Lorenzo did hang on to that 1-0 win um, against Atletico Mineiro. And Palmeiras versus Boca, the only Libertadores game of the week, was a rather dull match up until the 90th minute when Keno scored for Palmeiras. And then about 80 seconds later, in the 92nd minute, Carlos Tevez equalised with a shot which hit the crossbar twice um, before bouncing in for Boca. So that finished Palmeiras 1, Boca Juniors 1.